everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. On Fridays, I typically do uh, a webinar about Surefoot, and I'm happy to take questions during this webinar, so please put those in the chat or the Q&A. Um, I'll give you a little brief intro for anybody watching this webinar that's new to Surefoot, and uh, what we'll do is we'll look at some different uh, examples of horses on pads and some of the interesting things that I notice when horses are standing on pads and some of the changes that we've seen afterward. So um, I, I started doing Surefoot in 2012 when I um, was working with a horse. I'd been working with that horse and rider for three years. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, the horse, uh, the rider changed the saddle the month in between my visits. And the horse was short in the right hind leg as a result of a twisted saddle. And so um, I was going to see her again the next day. That night I went home and I was talking to Dr. Joyce Harmon. If you haven't seen any of Joyce's webinars, they're really fantastic. I'm getting that weird shadowing. Um, it's just my lights. I'll just adjust them a little bit here. So um, uh, Joyce and I were talking and she wanted to stand at her computer instead of sit and she wanted to stand on something. So uh, we were talking about different types of uh, pads that she could stand on and she told me they were doing this with dogs. So I was tapping away on my computer and I was looking at all the different objects that they were putting on dogs on for rehab and I said to her, I wonder if this would work for a horse. And she said, I don't know, try it. And so I grabbed something out of my shed and I'm trying to get rid of that weird shadow in the background. Um, hi, Nim, hi Rhonda. And uh, I grabbed something out of my shed and I drove to that barn and I put the horse on a pad and in 15 seconds that horse totally changed. So that's, that'll be nine years ago coming May, so only a few months from now. And since that time, um, Surefoot is now all around the world um, and horses everywhere are being helped. And that's the, the most rewarding part about Surefoot for me is knowing that there's all these horses out there that are being helped and that are uh, improving their balance, behavior, and movement. I think if there's the, the one thing that I take away from doing this for so many years is that we often attribute behavior problems as behavior problems. In other words, oh, this horse is being a brat, this horse is just, I, I don't, I'm not a good enough leader, this horse is being disrespectful. We have all these uh, human labels that we put on horses to explain away the behaviors in a way that makes sense to us, but doesn't necessarily get to the root cause. And so um, through all of these webinars, and one of the reasons for all these webinars is to help me understand how Surefoot's actually happening, how it really works. And um, if you've watched any of the previous webinars, a great one I suggest is the ones with uh, Dr. Stephen Peters. He talks about the horse's brain. They have very little frontal lobe. So they, they can't be out there in the paddock going, oh, next time my rider comes, I'm going to be really awful. You know, they, they don't think future projection. Um, they don't, as far as we know, uh, um, they, they don't, um, they can't imagine things like our cell phones, right? So we can make up fantasies and we can actually turn those fantasies into reality. Um, when you think about Star Trek as a kid, um, you know, they talked about communicators and now we have them. Um, but that requires a, a type of thinking that horses are not capable of. They simply don't have the brain matter. So when we label these horses in ways that um, don't fit the way their brain functions, we pigeonhole them into behaviors and into um, situations that aren't necessarily really getting to the cause. 
Um, and so having used Surefoot for so many years with horses and seeing behaviors change in seconds, literally seconds, um, it, I've really had to rethink how we talk about horses' behaviors. And I think the, for me, the best way to think about it is when I have a horse with a behavior problem, most likely I either have a pain factor, a confusion factor, or most importantly, a balance issue. So you've got this horse, you know, say a thousand pound horse, it's in gravity, it's got a 40 pound head at the end of a three foot lever arm, which is the neck, with the center of balance at the 13th to 14th rib and the counterweight at the pelvis, which it, when you think about the distance from the head to the pelvis, we're looking at at least eight feet in a lot of these horses, right? You got a three foot, three foot neck, five foot body, you're looking at at least eight feet. And that horse is concerned with his environment and feeling safe. And so he's going to move that 40 pound head around to scan his environment and to check, am I safe? Well, if you take a 40 pound weight and you swing it around at the end of a three foot lever arm, the effect that has where we meet the earth is huge. In other words, you swing that head and it can shift that whole body. And as it shifts that body, that horse is gonna have to move to catch his balance. So now we think about horses that are anxious and nervous. What are they doing? They're gonna be looking around. As they move that head, it's gonna be throwing them off balance. As they get off balance, they're going to move. As they move, we decide they're disrespectful. Then we chase them backwards, right? And we scare them. But we haven't looked at why did that horse lose his balance? Why, when that horse turned his head, did he fall over the right shoulder? When he moved his head and leaned through the shoulder, of course he's gonna to have to put his foot out to catch him. You would do it too. So if I took you to the edge of a cliff and I leaned you over, you're gonna put out your arms and your legs to try and make yourself safe and to try to keep from falling. And that's exactly what horses do. They're going to move their head and unconsciously move their foot to catch up with their head so that they don't fall. And then they're gonna be moving and we're gonna be mad at them for moving. And we're gonna tell them they should stand at the mounting block or they should stand in the cross ties or they should stand in the trailer or at the trailer. But all they're trying to do is check about their environment, make sure they feel safe, and then have the ability to keep organized in that movement. And then of course we put saddles on them and riders on them. <laughs> so it's amazing that we can do what we do with horses. And when you shift your focus to looking at behavior as a balance problem, now we want to start looking at, well, how is their balance? How are they standing? Are they in a good organization? Um, when they move their head, does that affect their sternum? Is their sternum shifting? And if you have not watched the webinar with Sharon May Davis, whom I had on last night, it is a must-view webinar because she is describing uh, anatomical malformations in the lower cervicals and upper ribs that can be the root of a lot of horses' problems. So, you know, that horse, if he's got a malformation in C6, C7, first and second rib, he's not able to organize and stand the way a horse with a normally formed vertebrae will because muscle attachments, and she showed nerves running through these muscles and how that can impinge the nerves, and you'll see it in the placement of their feet, you'll see it in their movement. So I'm, I'm not gonna talk about um, horses that have this anomaly, first of all, because I am not capable of diagnosing it. Um, but second of all, that's going, that's, go watch that webinar. It is um, profound and 
Um, if any of you are having a horse that has suddenly gotten very uh, difficult, um, or you know, you're finding that you're really struggling in your training or that horse really can't carry his neck properly, go watch that video. It's really, really powerful. And I'm, uh, yeah, um, Rhonda watched it and she said it was shocking um, to recognize, you know, so often we, we attribute it, and there was the one example she had of a racehorse that was lugging um, and then the rider fell off because of the way the horse went down and it actually broke its leg. Um, and they, she dug up that skeleton because they wanted a skeleton at this racetrack and she found this malformation and it explained all of the behavior. Um, so let's see. Uh, I think it was the most important webinar I've had this year. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really powerful because we so often just get after these horses and tell them to quit it or, or just chase them or, you know, train them harder or put devices on them or different bits. And um, the other webinars to watch are the ones with Equisoma, Pam Eckelberger, um, just this past month, she exhumed several skeletons and found these malformations. And, and so she also has evidence of tracking a horse's behavior, owner finally putting it down because everybody said this horse was incredibly dangerous. And then seeing that the skeleton was in that case, I think it was like basically dissolved, like in a very short time, it should have had a skeleton to dig up and it wasn't there. Um, so there was definitely a deficiency in the bones. So, you know, we need to really think about these things when we have behavior problems. Um, and not just tell the horse to quit it. Um, and at the same time with Surefoot, we can address a lot of balance problems because, you know, when you think about it, the, the I, I always think about, if we look at the average person, they're not an incredible athlete, but they can always be the best they can be. And to do that, we need to make sure that we use our body very efficiently, that we're grounded, that we move from our center, um, and all of these things we need in our horses. And not all our horses are the exceptional athletes. They're not all the Michael Jordans of the world. They're the horses that we love. And so we want to help them be the best horse they can be. And to do that, we have to address whether or not they're secure, whether or not they are standing well, whether or not their feet are well trimmed, um, whether we've taken care of their teeth, all these things that we, we um, need to take responsibility for so that horse can be the best that he is, meet his potential. So we can have the kind of relationship that we're looking for where we both feel safe. Um, and if you've ever ridden a horse that didn't feel safe, you know, it's, you can't like lie yourself into it. You know it's not safe. And that was with uh, Sharon Mae Davis last night, that racehorse, the, the jockey knew that horse was a problem. He, he sensed it, um, but they still raced that horse. So, um, you know, knowledge is power. And um, the big takeaway that I got from Sharon Mae Davis's webinar was, if you are going to buy a horse, make sure you have an x-ray done of the base of the neck, C6, to look for any possible malformation before you spend a lot of money. Um, and I think that that was a really powerful take home um, because you, you can't solve that kind of problem with a surefoot pad. You know, you can maybe make the horse feel better for a little while, but you've got to look and address the underlying issues. Okay, that said, does anybody have any questions specifically about surefoot um, that you want me to address in this webinar? And just put that in the chat, put that in the Q&A, and um, I'm more than happy to answer your questions. Um, let's see, would I check CC? Yes, 
yes, that was uh, Sharon May Davis's take home is that if you're going to in your pre purchase exam. Um, and if you watch her webinar. Um, there's an, uh, another vet that she references that has developed the way in which to x ray that neck where you how you the angle that you have to shoot the x ray. Um, and so yeah, it's that was the take home is if you're going to buy a horse take take a picture. Um, and I actually had a client that they wound up, it was a warm blood and they wound up doing the basket surgery on the base of the neck and it failed and the horse had to be put down after huge expense. Um, I don't know if he had a malformation. Um, that was many years ago, but that has never kind of, I've never forgotten that. So um, yeah, yeah, just, just watch that video if you're going to buy a horse and um, it, you know, a little bit of cost ahead of time can save you a lot of heartache later. And I think that's really um, the vet that, I think it's Dr. G um, that Sharon May Davis references at the end that set up the x-ray system. Um, she had a horse with the malformation, had to put it down. Um, and we're talking, you know, five, six-year-old horses. We're not talking older horses. Um, so that said, Surefoot. So in May, 2012, I put the first horse on a pad. Um, and now we have horses all around the world that are benefiting from Surefoot. What Surefoot's the, uh, I think that the one place where Surefoot uh, is unique, if you will. I mean, it's great uh, to use this in combination with other therapies. It's really awesome for relaxation. It's really great, you know, if you have a horse that's laid up that keep the small little muscles moving. But the one place that I don't see anybody else kind of fill the hole is under saddle. So obviously you would want to start with a horse with the rider off, but horses have habits to their tack and to their environment, arenas, and to different riders, and, uh, and just the uh, sheer act of going into an arena. And with Surefoot, we can use it to really help change those behaviors that are based on poor balance, anxiety, you know, whether a horse has had a really bad experience in the past, um, or um, a horse I just worked with a couple weeks ago, super lovely horse, Irish, um, Irish sport horse, brought over here to be an event horse, wound up with a tendon injury, two years later in rehab, finally rehabbed, now he's going to be a dressage horse, and as soon as I watched him move, he was short in that leg. Now he's totally clear, he's under saddle, he can walk to a canter, you know, he's gotten all the clearances from the vets, and he's been in work but it's obvious that he still retained a habit of moving different with that right front leg. And in a 40 minute session, sure if it actually didn't even take 40 minutes to see a change, we probably saw a change in the first five. Um, we, we saw a change in the pattern of movement of that leg to a more symmetrical balanced movement and the rider more importantly felt that change and was like, wow, his back is moving differently. Right, and all we did was put this horse on surefoot pads, let him walk off, come back, rinse, repeat. So this is a place. Obviously, if you're going to work under saddle, you need uh, an assistant. You need somebody who can put the pads underneath the horse's feet. And so that's always a little tricky, you know. So often we're riding alone, but this is a great time to to have a buddy because it is one of the most powerful places where we can make a difference. So. Um, uh, and by the way, you can also do this with uh, driving horses. Um, 
So I'm just, I'll just show you a little video of uh, when I worked with a driving horse. Now, uh, what you have to realize is that when I started, we took the horse out of harness. So he was not in, har in uh, hooked to the cart when we started with him. Um, and this was a very experienced uh, driving horse. The woman got him as a schoolmaster. Um, and I noticed that he um, wasn't standing squarely underneath his shoulders, his feet under his shoulders. But after we um, worked with him out of, the, out of the cart, we hooked him back up again. And then she, um, we'd stand him on surefoot pads and then she'd drive him. And um, let's see if I can, that's just a picture of his feet on the pads. Um, yeah, so here he is out, out of the cart. And that's where we started. And then I put him on pads. And then once I saw how he was going to respond, then we put him back into harness. And uh, let's see, I think I have other video. Um, the, the driver stayed near his head, was not in the cart when we first started. And you can still see the same pattern of things that we see with horses uh, under saddle. So driving under saddle. Um, in the activity. And let me just play this back for you because this is, a, this is an old video. I have to remember a little bit about the story about this horse. But what you'll notice is right here, you can see how much he has moved his head over his left front, right? And then when he looks, he shifts into his right front when he turns his head. So this is actually one of the things I'm talking about. When we think about the weight of the horse's head, and I'll just take this and move it slowly. We can see right here, he's got his head on an angle and it's organized over this left front leg. And now as we take it forward, here he's turning his head to the right and you can see how he's put more weight over the left front. And then as we see, he takes his head and he's still, he's got it vertical, but look at how his head lines up with that left front leg. So here his sternal line is, here's his head, here's this left front. And then as I take it forward and you watch, and did you see that movement? Watch the movement right here in his shoulder, in his right shoulder. You see how, you can see how the muscles shift and now he starts to load that right shoulder as he's going to take his head to the left. And so now we can see that he's brought his weight over the right front. So this is what I'm talking about, you know, in a very subtle way. This is a horse that's not stepping off the pads, but you can see just how much effect there is in moving that head. And then you think about what we do with the horse's head. We attach things to it. We pull them around by their head. Um, and then we wonder why, you know, a horse might feel unsafe or anxious um, but again, I'll just let this play and you can see he's got the tilt to his head then it straightens, but his weight is clearly over his left front. You see that movement in the right front shoulder. And then as he turns his head, he throws his weight over that right front. Um, let's see if I have another video of him. And this is um, just, we then put the, the driver back in the cart and then she drove the horse in between moments of standing on the pad. And I, again, this is a long time ago, so, um, but you can see here, and this was in the beginning, you can see how he's carrying himself and how there's a, um, an asymmetrical movement in the two front legs. You can watch how much higher his left knee comes up than his right knee. And as we worked, that changed.
So I'm not going to go through all the video of this horse, but um, it was, you know, um, it's just an example that you can use Surefoot with driving horses. And again, it's for the same reason that um, we want to see, help that horse make changes in his uh, job. So somebody's asked a question. I'm just beginning with my Surefoot practitioner training case studies. Oh yeah, great. Hi, Sam. Um, over what period of time, number of sessions and even length of sessions should we take for the initial Surefoot session? Um, so I think if I understand your question, even length of time should we take for initial Surefoot? Um, so like typically, I'll, what I do is I take the rider off and I, and I work with the horse to make sure the horse is okay with the pads. Um, if I see any signs of anxiety, I am going to slow down, back up, do less, check to make sure that's okay. And I will not work with the rider on the horse unless I see that the, hor the horse has um, relaxed, you know, blown out, put his neck down, is quietly walking off the pads, doesn't show me any signs of anxiety. And then I will put the rider back on. If I have any doubts whatsoever, I always take the rider off. If I see any little... Um, I don't know if I can, I might actually be able to show you, let me see, I think I have a piece of video here um, that I can show you a horse that I did not feel comfortable um, starting with the rider on. So let me just scroll through. It was very recent. Um, the question is, can I find that video quickly? Just see if this is it. Hang on, I'll look for it really quickly. Um, I think this is, is this it here? Um, and, and that horse just showed me just enough that I was like not willing to leave the rider on, but I'm not sure I have this piece of footage here. Hang on. Yeah, I can't find it there. Um, and it was really subtle. It was just that the horse cocked its head, you know, just tilted its head just that tiny little bit, looked down at the pads. I was like, it was a mare, um, a very st strong personality type of mare, uh, you know, very classy mare, but it was just enough for me to go, I need to take the rider off before, oh, I might, Actually, I might be able to, no, I don't have a piece of footage handy. Um, so, uh, but I can show you a picture of a horse where it was like, it was easy to start with the rider already on. And the reason being, this horse was already checking out the pads before we ever started, right? He was like, oh, those are cool, you know, and he was totally relaxed about them. This is the mare I'm telling you about where um, I, I was very uncomfortable, but uh, starting with her mounted, but I don't have the piece of film here in this computer um, that shows you the signs that I saw. So, um, you know, the, the big thing is always work towards safety. And if there's anything that, you know, sets off alarm bells, I've had horses literally running backwards when I was 20 feet away and I picked up a pad um, and clean. <laughs> Clearly, we're going to take that rider off, but it's the subtle signs that you have to watch out for. And if you go to pick up a leg and it's super rigid, then take the rider off. Because if you have a really rigid leg and you go to pick up that foot and the horse tilts or leans over, you're already setting up a problem. So just take the moment to take the rider off. That's really kind of the key thing here. 
Okay, so let me go back and find, um, now I have to go back through my videos and find out where I was, so hang on a sec. Um, if you have any other questions, just pop them in the chat. And um, what am I looking for? I know who I'm looking for, the question is where is it? Um, sorry, I got a little lost. Um, the problem is I have too much video in my computer. And so when I kind of get off track, it's hard for me to get back on. But be that as it may, I had this other stuff I wanted to show you. So I will jump over there. Um, one of the things that is it's um, really important and, and is what to look for when we have horses on surefoot pads. So, um, so if you're this is where this horse is obviously not under saddle, but there's so many little subtle signs to pay attention to that are clues and indicators that something's going on with the horses. And so, uh, what I want to do is show you this piece of footage, and I've broken it down and, and put it into slow motion so that we can focus on some of the subtler things that are happening in horses because a lot of times you know you you notice the big things but there's a lot of small observations that you can make and this is where video is so helpful and right now i'm, I'm building a library of video clips for the online learning system that we've talked about um, i'm still in the process of building that so please bear with me um, but this is one of the clips that we're going to put in there because, you know, when you watch this horse, you see a lot of different things happening. Um, a lot of the typical things, the lowering of the neck, the eye blinking, the swaying. But what I've done here is kind of break it down into some smaller pieces and focus. So to help you focus your eye, to help you start to recognize just how many subtle things are going on that you don't necessarily see at the moment that you're watching the horse because there's you know uh, you may have someone you're talking to there may be some distractions you might be trying to video it so um, what I've done here is just and I'm just going to stop it there for a second is this is some of the first things that we see in this video we see mouth movement okay so I'm just going to take that back and just watch and you see that mouth movement and you see movement in the jaw okay head tosses nose flips right deep eye blinks little bit of sway turning the head a little bit the little tiny head wiggle and i'm just going to take that back because this is really common this little tilting of the head okay here he's actually quite still um, not completely still there is a little bit of lateral sway Here's something that a lot of people might miss is look at the activation of the muscles in the stifle. And let me just take that back and show that one again. So watch here and you can see how much muscle activation we have around that stifle. Um, so when people say, well, will this help strengthen stifles? I can see where it absolutely could. Neck lowering, again, lower neck the deep eye blinks, the little tiny movement in the neck there, the little twist of the head right? The little tail swish there, the shift of weight in the shoulders, going to the right shoulder, offloading the left, the muscles just in the, um, just above the elbow, okay? Again, the ear flick, he's hurt his friend, 
and his friend's gonna come across in the scene behind. So now he turns his head, so let me stop that for a second. And you can just watch in this particular case, when he turns his head, here's his sternal line. So it's quite straight, right? And it's hard from this angle to tell if he's totally equally weighted on the two front feet, but looks pretty close. And as he moves his head, oops, I'm doing a bad job here. Let's see if I can get that to work better. Okay, there's his ear flick. We know his buddy's coming. He turns his head, lifts his neck, shifts his weight over to his right front. Okay. Shifts more, but we can see that the sternal line has stayed really, really straight. So why do I look at the sternal line? It gives me a really good indication of what the orientation of the rib cage is. So if I see a sternal line that's really tilted, I start to think, wow, did he rotate that entire rib cage? If it stays quite vertical, as we see here, then what we saw was more of a lateral shift of weight as opposed to a rotation in the rib cage. So I'll just take that back for a second and play that for you again. So you can watch the sternal line, it stays quite straight. He shifts the weight over and we can see the change in the ribs right here as well. Um, but he's not necessarily rotating his rib cage. So we see a bit of side bend, right? And then as he comes back, again, we notice the sternal line is quite straight. As he lifts his head, you can see that the pec muscles have changed angle. So as he lifted his head and looked right, now we can see this angle line, right? So we can assume that we've got some more weight coming down here on the left front. Okay, turns his head a little more. Now we can start to see that the, this real distinct line of the pecs. But again, this sternal line is actually fairly straight, like almost totally straight. So there's a weight shift as opposed to a rotation, right? He comes back, we still see that that pec line is angled, his head still to the right. Little deep eye blink, ears uneven. So you notice the ears there, that he's back listening with one, right? There's our deep eye blinks, little head tilt. Another eye blink brings his head back a little bit. So now we're just going to watch it again in real time. And um, that I did zoom in on that camera angle when I was shooting it. Um, but now you can see all these little things that we saw in slow motion that you might not have picked up on, especially there's the stifle, little contraction in the stifle muscles, right? The neck down, right? The eye blinks, those are the obvious ones. Um, and so it's just, it's really a good idea to start looking for the little more subtle ones, that little head twitch, the tail twitch, right? This way over, you'll see a little activation of the muscle in the left elbow area, right? And then he came back. And when he did that, you could see it was kind of like a, like a contraction, in the, oh, like I'm losing my balance, right? Um, checks out his friend, turns his head. So here, you know, when you think about how much he moved his head, but did not move his feet, that gives you a really good indication of his organization. In other words, he's well organized to move the 40 pound head at the end of a three foot lever arm to turn and look at his friend and he didn't have to move his feet and he's standing quite square. So, you know, this is a horse that is fairly well organized and he loves sure foot pads. He's sort of like my superstar of demonstrating sure foot in a round pen and I can stack and he won't move, he won't go anywhere. He'll just hang out there. Um, but the organization that it takes to move that 40 pound head 
that far around and not have to move a foot to step off to catch himself. And yes, we can see they're shifting in the pecs, they're shifting those little muscle contractions and that sort of thing. Whereas there's a lot of other horses that even when you go to pick up a foot to, let's say you have a front foot on a pad and you go to pick up the hind foot, they have to move the front foot. They're not organized well enough to be able to stand on a, a sure foot pad with a front foot and lift the hind foot. In other words, redistributing the weight over the other three legs. They need to move their front foot off the pad to counter the, the lifting of a hind leg. And I'm not sure if I have a video handy of that because typically when I'm working with horses like that, I'm not able to video. Um, this is where I need somebody to follow me around and take video. But of course, during COVID, that's not entirely possible. Um, this might be an example. Let me just check this little piece of film here and see if this is what I'm talking about. No, this is an entirely different organization, which is actually, but I'll show you this. It's kind of, kind of quite interesting. Um, but these are these are things to pay attention to when you're working with your horse working with surefoot this particular horse here um i'm not sure nope different horse i don't think i have no okay hopefully you're on a gray horse with me if you're not put it in the chat um let me just so I'm going to play this video and you can see in this case, he's had to move his head way, way over and he's just resting his toe. Now, again, I can't remember the story on this horse. It's like five years ago, four years ago. Um, but this is a very interesting organization, right? So he's had to move his head quite far over to counter the fact that he's just on his toe here and look what he's done behind. He's had to move that left hind over so he can balance himself to rest this leg and this was his choice this is how he chose to stand um, if memory serves me he did have a shoulder injury but don't quote me on that but you can see that like i don't ask the horses to stand square a lot of people say do you set the horse up to stand square in order to do surefoot no i do not and the reason being that we want to see what the horse chooses to do and how do they organize? And every position is another possibility, right? So there you can see he had to move his foot back and then he can bring his head back over. And I don't think I have other footage of that horse. But it's fascinating to watch it, how horses organize and how they position themselves and whether or not they can stay on pads. And you know, I've seen horses literally sway themselves off. Um, let me just check this piece of footage here and see what we've got. Um, oh yeah, this will be interesting. Okay. Um, doo -doo -doo. I've got to get back to the Zoom screen share. So here we have a horse with a rider on board. Okay, and she's taken her feet out of the stirrups. And again, if I'm just going to stop it here, you can see how clearly this horse has organized her head over her left front. Okay, so here's her midline on her sternum. You know, here we can see that here's her left front is organized underneath her point of her shoulder. In other words, she's standing square in front. If we look at from the point of the shoulder to the foot, this foot looks a tiny bit turned out. Maybe the leg isn't exactly underneath the shoulder, but pretty close, whereas this one is clearly. But we see how her head 
is organized over her left front. Now you think about that in terms of a riding horse that we want to go symmetrically both directions. And if this is how they organize themselves, then we can already assume that they're going to fall a bit to the left and, you know, like do something to the right. Now, can I tell you exactly? No, because you have to look at the whole horse and how it organizes. But here now, she's taken her head to the right. It's on a bit of an angle. It still looks like we have more load on the left front. Okay, there she brings her head back and we watch how she sways over onto her left front. And by the way, we're using a full physio pad here, which is why she's got two feet on it. Okay, now we see how she shifts and moves. Here's her head basically straight, but she's moved way over to the right, right? That takes the weight off the left front foot, right? Then she turns her head and sways over, right? And we can see how that's unweighted the right front. Got a nice lick and chew. As she comes back, we're back to this pattern of the head basically organized over the left front. All right, so I'll just let, I'll play it again. I'll let it roll in real time so that you can make those observations, okay? But I, these are things that I pay attention to because these give us clues about how this horse is gonna be to ride. Um, if this horse organizes herself over her left front all the time, then she's gonna like fall out through her shoulder tracking right, she's gonna be a bit stiff tracking left. Um, and we can see how clearly she's organized herself over that left front leg, right? Her sternal line is a little hard to see, but it looks fairly straight. When she turns her head, the weight doesn't come off that left front until she sways way over. Okay, question, got a question, let's see. Um, that she sifted her stance, yeah, wider a bit, yep. Um, but, you know, when we start to look at videos up close like this and you can slow them down and break them down, it's really helpful to start understanding, you know, why did my horse do fill in the blank? Why is my horse stiffer? Why is my horse resistant? Why didn't my horse, um, and it has to do with balance. It has to do with how do they organize to carry the, the weight of their head, right? And the rider. Uh, let's see, I know I have some other ones here. It's just a question of finding ones with riders on. Um, let's see what this one is. Oh, okay, so we'll just take a look at this one. This is from the rear. Let's turn the sound off. So in this instance, uh, I'm using a firm pad underneath the left hind and a medium pad under the right hind. I'll let it play first. The, sorry about the videography being a little unsteady. Right? And she's not perfectly square. The left hind, sorry, yeah, the left hind's a little further back than the right hind. But we can see a very definite pattern of the hindquarters swinging to the right. Okay, so one of the things to notice is I, I'm pretty sure I'm filming directly from behind, but we can see the rib cage bulging here on the left. And we can't see that rib cage at all on the right. Okay, yes, this hind leg is a little out behind. Okay, and here's our tail line, and we can see that the tail line looks like it's a little bit to the right. And then I'll just take this video back and play it slowly. Maybe. 
That's the videographer getting organized, right? So right here, watch how the barrel shifts right and the haunches then start to go more right and then it comes back. And you can see the breathing underneath this left rider's left leg, right? There's a breathing change. We can see the quarters shift to the right again and then come back and to the right. There's that breathing change again right there. You can see that expansion in the ribs. Right, so we see a, a bit of a sway to the right and it's more of a, um, uh, just a cross. So um, left to right as opposed to a rotation, okay? And now I'll just let it play in real time. And you can watch the haunches go to the right, the breathing changes, right? The ribs clearly to the left, haunch to the right, and comes back again. Okay, question. Uh, so, so when I'm working with Surefoot, I am not coaching the rider on purpose. Um, the reason being that um, the rider, well, I, what I basically tell them to do is to sit as quietly as possible. Um, because right at that moment, the rider is simply a weight. They're not an, uh, um, an action. They're just a weight. And the, so the horse is, is bearing weight. And then how does that horse organize under that weight? Um, if I started to tell riders to do things, it would just, the horses would become distracted so I want the horses to really feel themselves and to think about themselves. And I really want the riders to feel the horses. So this is one of the things when you're working under saddle that is so, so powerful. I can't tell you how many times I've had a rider say to me, oh, I feel my horse's feet landing on the ground. And all I can think of is, what did you feel before? Right? Um, and that's a really common statement that they can actually feel each foot. Um, I had a Grand Prix rider say, I no longer have to train, I simply get to ride. Um, I've had other riders that uh, were astonished because problems that had existed over and over and over again were gone. So the rider holds a perception of their horse and they hold their horse in that perception. My horse is a butthead, my horse is stiff, my horse won't pick up his lead. All of these stories that we create around our horses because we have this big frontal lobe and we can make up these stories. And that traps the horse in that story. It doesn't allow for change because we put them right back into that story. That's the expectation, that's what we're anticipating, that's what we recall. And so we put that on that horse whether or not it's true. And when the rider is simply sitting on the horse, and it's not easy because sometimes these horses, and I'll show you another video, where the rib cage is really rocking and rolling around, and it's really hard to sit quietly. Um, and sometimes the horse will really drop the rib cage over way to one side. And again, as the rider feels like they're falling off, and it's like, I just tell them to just sit there as quietly as possible, even though it feels super awkward. Because the horse has put them into that position. The horse has moved its body in a way that has rotated that rib cage. And the, the horse is going to feel that weight. But I don't want any um, influence. I want the horse to just recognize this is a weight. It's over here now. What do I have to do to organize it to be somewhere else? So let me just find this piece of video that I'm talking about and then I'll share it with you guys. Um, oh, that was the horse I was looking for. Hang on. Let me just look at this one first. Um, 
Yeah, okay, so this is actually a good example of what I'm talking about in terms of the rider just sitting quietly. Okay, so she's gonna try and sit as, as still as possible. And what you're gonna see is the horse is moving its body and therefore moving the rider. And the horses experiment. They check things out. They try different ideas. And this is just a very subtle, very slow shifting with this particular verse, right? And then we see what he has to do just to pick up that one foot. And then look at how he's changed the organization of his head to be over his left front when he picked up that right front. So I'll just back this up, play it really slowly. Here, the head's actually quite straight. Nice blaze really helps us. You know, we can see that here's the point of the shoulder. This leg is a little bit um, medial to the point of the shoulder. In fact, both, and you can see that the feet are a little bit toed out because ideally this, these legs would be a little bit more square. And what we are, we're on a pair of soft pads underneath the back feet. Okay, so as I take it forward, you can see that there the horse has rotated the rib cage. So now we see the rider's feet are no longer level. And that's a big clue, right? If you're not sure that what you're seeing and the rider basically started out level and suddenly we see that the, the, the rider's feet aren't level, that's a big clue the horse has rotated the rib cage. Here the horse then laterally swings a little bit, right? And the head comes, goes, from straight to a little bit to the right, and the weight shifted from right to left. And we can see the, how now the rider, like here we suddenly start to see a, the rider's left hip, and we can't see the right hip anymore. And then we see that come back, and then that's really interesting because it comes back, and then all of a sudden it's like, nope, I'm gonna put the rider over here, or my rib cage over here again to the left. Right, she turns her head, but then comes back to middle. And then the horse laterally shifts and offloads this right front. And there's a huge shift to pick up that foot. So watch how much the horse has to shift to lift the right front leg. There's this big shift leaning, everything now tilts over and then we see the foot come up. And when the foot comes back down, things start to come back again. So statically, standing still to pick up a foot, that horse had to shift way over. So now we think, okay, I wanna put a second pad underneath the horse. I've got one pad under, say, a front foot. I wanna pick up a hind foot. How well that horse can organize and keep his weight distributed over his four points is gonna determine how easy it is for him to do that. But this is giving us a lot of information about how balanced that horse is, how fluidly he's gonna move, how easy he's gonna to be to go left and right. And I did a bunch of race horses a while ago and one of the race horses was so incredibly balanced that in the very first session, he was standing on four of the pods, the advanced pods under each foot. And he was so well organized, but he would shorten his neck. And I taught the trainer how to lengthen his neck. So when he went to the track the next time, he just lengthened the horse's neck before he ran and he won his race. Um, but the horse was so balanced, probably one of the most balanced horses I've ever seen just out of the gate, just the first time on pads. Um, and 
when we look at horses and see how much they have to organize to pick up a foot for us, then you can think about how Surefoot can be so helpful with the farrier um, and all the places where we ask those horses to be balanced. We ask those horses that, you know, to be equal, to not fall, to not shift. Um, I'll just show you this video. Um, this was a horse that struggled with one canter lead. Come on, there we go. Um, let's see, this is just the, the very beginning of working with this horse. And you can see here that she's pulled this leg quite back. So here's her right front and her left front leg is pulled well back when I went to put her on the pad, I wish she would have been more square and she took the leg back and here she is. She couldn't pick up her left lead, if I recall correctly. Um, and we can see, look at how the sternal, um, the sternum is, is vertical, but we've got our pec line and this leg is way far back, right? and she's thrown the, the rider over a bit, and she turns her head, she's totally loaded down on this right front. So maybe it was the right lead. I can't remember, it was, she couldn't pick up one lead at all. Um, but lovely little Morgan horse, right? What wasn't being difficult, just wasn't able to use her body efficiently. Um, here she is now, we've moved to uh, firm pads, and again, we can see that she basically is organized over this right front leg. She's got it underneath the point of her shoulder. Now her left front is forward. I'll just make sure the sound's dropped off. And what you'll see as you work with the pads is that I would have the horse stand on the pads and go for a walk, come back, stand on pads. And standing on the pads is anywhere from, you know, 10 seconds. If they walk off, it's less than that to maybe 30 seconds. Um, if I'm adding more pads, might be a little bit longer just because it takes me some time. Um, but we can see now she's much more even in the pec muscles, sternal line's quite shaped, looks at something, shifts way over the right front. This leg's a little bit turned out, right? But it's now forward. And we can see that the rider is so much more level now, right? Actually, if anything, this foot's a little bit lower. But in the, in the beginning, this horse was throwing the rider way over to one side. Right, there's our lick and chew. Now she shifts her head, loads over that left front, sways back, right? And you'll see these repeating patterns. You'll see like a, I think of it as a, a typical, the horse will have one sway pattern and then you might see a second sway pattern show up. Very rarely a third sway pattern. I'm gonna show you a really interesting pattern here in a moment. Um, but you can see that she's, experimenting, just shifting her weight back and forth there a little bit. And I'll just take this forward and yeah, I guess I come around. Okay, we see all the typical deep eye blinks. But it gives us so much information about, um, you know, when a rider reports to me, oh, my horse has trouble, fill in the blank, in this case, picking up one lead, it becomes really evident really, really fast because you see how they stand on the pads and you see the, the, the typically, you know, there'll be a leg that they'll pull back. They won't want to put it forward. Um, you go to pick up the leg, it's very stiff. I know where that footage is. I have to go back over here. Um, and so it can give us so much information about 
the behaviors. And I think that that's, for me, is the thing that's so, oh, where's that piece of footage? Like I said, I'm so organized when I start and I'm so disorganized when I get here. Um, oh, this is a really interesting, okay, I'm getting distracted, but this is an interesting little piece of footage here. I'll just um, show you this. This is a horse I'm riding. Um, and he's doing hill work, you know, he's in good shape. Um, there, there isn't anything problematic that I'm dealing with. Um, it's a Welsh cob and I've got him on the soft pads behind. And the reason I want to show you this is just watch the stifle area. And you can see just how much contraction in the stifle area goes on standing on these pads. So, um, you know, in terms of developing that stability that the horses need, that's what this is all about. You can see that strong muscle contraction there just before he walks off. And I'll just take that back again and I'll just drag it forward slowly. And you can see right there, there's a crease that happens, right? So we see some muscle contraction and then it softens and then his weight shifts. Um, here I've zoomed in a little bit and you can see right here, there's a really strong contraction just above the stifle. I do want to see if I can find that other footage that I talked about because it's a unique pattern that you don't always see um, when horses are on pads. And um, in that particular case, the horse showed it really, really clearly. I just have to figure out where I put that piece of film. If I can't find it today, I might have to come back with it tomorrow. Yeah, wow. I don't know where I put it. Um, questions? Anybody got any questions about that? So, oh, we're almost out of time. How did that happen? It goes so fast. So this is where, you know, when you're working with your surefoot pads, I really recommend that you take video uh, or if, if you can. I know it's not always possible. I know from my own experience that when I'm starting out with a horse, there's no video because I'm, I'm you know, the horse walks off. I got to go for a walk with him or he's only on the pad for two seconds, which is totally fine. Um, but when you can video, it's so useful to then take that video and, and play it back and play it in slow motion because it'll train your eye to see so much more that's happening and it will help again when we, when we have somebody say, oh, my horse or my horse, you know, won't um, pick up his right lead or he has trouble bending to the left. We can start to see why this is happening and when we can understand it, we can do something about it. It may be that we need to combine some stretches while they're on the pads. Obviously, you'd teach them stretches off the pads and teach, you know, expose them to surefoot and then combine it. Um, but it, it helps us understand why our horse is doing what he's doing. He's not doing it to make our lives miserable. Um, and so often, because the surefoot pads provide that parasympathetic response where we see them, you know, blow out, lower their neck, blink their eyes, come into relaxation. That relaxation lasts so much longer after the session. Um, in some cases, just really shifts the horses completely that then they can stand and be grounded and be able to look at their environment and assess what's going on instead of have to react and not lose their balance. And that's where this is so useful in terms of really helping 
horses and people find better balance and find better partnerships because we can A, understand, B, help them out, and C, they recognize we're the ones that brought that possibility to them. We're the ones that brought them the comfort. And um, time after time, horses just instantly recognize that I'm asking them what they want instead of telling them what they have to do. And in that ask, they have an opportunity to say no. And then they go, wow, you're somebody who's listened. You know, that's our words, but you see it in their behavior. Who are you? And I want to know who you are. And can I be with you? Because you have made me feel safe. Number one question for a horse, am I safe? So, um, wow, that's kind of taken us through the hour. I think it's next Friday. We're going to have Carrie Anderson with me on the Friday Surefoot Talk. Um, she's down in Costa Rica, that horse that I showed you. Uh, in the slow-mo, in the round pen, that was in Costa Rica, one of the horses down there. Um, and she's going to talk about using Surefoot for a horse that has head shaking and also for horses that were frightened in certain areas of the ring. So um, I haven't seen Carrie this year because we've been in, you know, COVID lockdown. Um, I haven't been able to travel, but it's going to be great to have her on the webinar next week and just to hear some of the things she's been getting up to with Surefoot. Um, so if anybody has any last questions, just pop them in the chat there. And um, if not, have a fabulous weekend and we'll see you next week. Um, we're uh, still lining up some great guests. I'm trying to remember who we have on Monday. I'll just take a quick look. Um, I think our webinar is, oh, we have Shelly Whitehouse on Tuesday. We're going to talk a little bit about Surefoot, uh, not Surefoot, but um, horses with business. Like how can we use that as a model for planning our businesses better. So we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend and thanks a lot for joining me. Bye.